I hear the voice of my grandmother calling me. I hear the voice of my grandmother calling. Wake up, wake up, she says, wake up, wake up. Listen, 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 listen. May the rivers all run free. May the mountains be unspoiled. May the air be pure. May the trees grow up tall. May the earth be shared by all. I hear the voice of my grandmother calling me. I hear the voice of my grandmother calling. Wake up, wake up. She says, wake up, wake up. Listen, 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 listen. May the rivers all run free. May the mountains be unspoiled. May the air be pure. May the trees grow up tall. May the earth be shared by all. May the air be pure. May the trees grow up tall. May the earth be shared by all. Hello and welcome to the Womb-Centered Healing Podcast. Before we get started today, I wanted to make a few announcements for what about what's going on in the Womb-Centered Healing Temple this spring 2020. So <clears throat> many of you um, might be experiencing the effects of the global pandemic and the effects that that has had on me is having a whole bunch more time to pour into the creative projects that are going on in the womb-centered healing temple which is my heart's delight and my um, calling and service to the world. So that benefits everyone here listening. So I'm. you might notice I'm having more um, podcast interviews and um, releasing quite a few more courses, online courses in the womb-centered healing temple. So, and, and other projects that I'll get to in a minute. So the courses that you might be curious about are the womb trauma recovery yoga which is a weekly live yoga class that you can learn more about on the website and another class that I've been really developing and enjoying as part that's part of the apprenticeship program but I want to make available to the public as well is the herbal womb wellness course and you may have seen webinars and things like that that I and I'll be um posting one of those question and answer sessions here as a podcast episode itself. And um, <clears throat> so those are just a, a small handful of some of the courses. Of course, th those are all included in the 13-month Biomystical Womb Apprenticeship journey that um, we're right in the middle of at this point. We're working with menarche and coming of age and initiations into sexuality. And all of this is very juicy. And you can read excerpts of 
the biomystical womb book that's being nourished by this apprenticeship and this time uh, at home. I've been doing a lot of writing, so you can check out the blog on the website too to see excerpts of the biomystical womb book. And last but not least, I have just launched a Kickstarter campaign for the biomystical womb oracle card deck. And this is based on the biomystical womb teachings that that are coming forth in the apprenticeship program and it's a great way to um, connect with those teachings on a daily or weekly or however frequency is right for you by simply picking a card or two and letting that guide your womb-centered healing practice your biomystical womb healing practice and so if you're interested in um pre-ordering and supporting the development of the Oracle card deck, you can click on the link to the Kickstarter campaign in the show notes here. And so, and also don't hesitate to reach out to me, Sama Morningstar, if you have any questions about any of these things. Okay, that's all and on with our episode. Hello and welcome to the Womb Centered Healing Podcast. I'm Sama Morningstar and I have Rachel here with me. Thank you so much for joining us, Rachel. Um, Rachel volunteered to talk about, or maybe I invited you, but you volunteered to, to talk about um, menarche ceremonies. Uh, Rachel's been practicing, uh, facilitating uh, young women with their menarche ceremonies for quite a number of years and has even written a book about it. And so um, I'm super excited to have you share with us more about your experiences around that. So could you please introduce yourself a little bit more in depth and and share with us, we were talking about the difference between ceremonies that happen off at a retreat somewhere and you never see those people again versus ceremonies that happen intrinsically integrated into your life with the people that are in your life on a regular basis and and the, and the explorations you've been doing around that so i can't wait to hear about that oh, thank you for me on. so yeah i'm rachel crow i've been kind of doing kind of women's work, womb work, it's my early 20s. Um, and probably the last kind of 15 or so years more involved with ceremonies, young women, um, mums, all of that. And then I think five or six years ago, a friend of mine, a mother of an 11 year old came to me and she just, she'd read this amazing book and she said to me, would I gather with her and talk about, um, create a kind of mother and daughter, we called it a mother and daughter lodge to teach women's wisdom to our daughters. And I just said, yes, yes, I'm in. <laughs> you know, my, my eldest is now 30, but I've also got a 10 year old daughter. So she was much younger at that point. So I was just like, this is brilliant. Cause by the time she's the age, she'll, you know, this is going to be here for her. So count me in. <laughs> And it, and it kind of all went from there. And so it's been a real eye-opener for me seeing the difference in, say, the young girls that like 15 years ago were coming and having ceremonies. I was part of a, a beautiful camp that still runs in the UK called Sacred Arts Camp, where they would have a ceremony every year for any of the young girls who'd started their bleed that year. 
and it would be held by pretty much all the women on the camp. So, you know, we'd have 200 women, <laughs> kind of really powerful, really beautiful ceremonies. But then, you know, I remember it was my husband that said to me, what happens when they go home? You know, it's kind of like we're doing these initiation ceremonies. What are you initiating them into? What, you know, where, where's their holding afterwards? And I could never work out how, what we could do about that. <laughs> yes, you could have, a, what we did do was um, the girls would choose one mum and call her her moon mother. And she would be with her in the ceremony. And you'd hope that they would continue their relationship afterwards. And some did and some didn't. But to have that community holding is something that I haven't really seen in many places. Um, so it's been something, yeah, that um, my friend Eartha that I work with, has, we've built on, we've both kind of, we do work together and we do work separately. She's traveled around training women to do hold mother and daughter lodges in the, on the same format that we use. Um, so there's, uh, you know, I think there's maybe six or seven groups that kind of sprung off from our original one that we started five years ago. Wow, so <clears throat> these are um, meeting groups, circle groups of mothers and daughters that that are gathering regularly to support each other supporting these young women coming of age uh, and so how often would these groups do these groups meet so when we first started so what what we actually did was we gathered a core group of uh, there was mothers grandmothers um a woman who did forest school who what didn't have children there was five of us and we actually met for a year and kind of came together with like a program but we also worked through our own stuff because the thing that um when you work with young young people your buttons get pressed you know? <laughs> because you know the the issues that they'll bring may be issues that you've had and haven't dealt with so we really felt like it would be good for us to go back and revisit our own first blood, share those stories together, talk about how it was for us, all of that stuff to clear the way. And then we invited the mothers <laughs> and we had a meeting with the mothers. Wow. That we decided that we would meet monthly. So we did a whole day every month. Um, and then, and we've actually, that, that five year group finished last summer with the girls doing a vision quest, but they were like, 15 <laughs> and they've got to the point where they're ready to do hold it themselves they didn't they didn't need us anymore which is you know job done <laughs> wow so you started when some of the girls were 10 and for five years you met with the moms and the girls and did a variety of activities i'm sure it didn't start out with a vis vision quest but you started out with perhaps the moms telling their stories and what what else did you do with the girls for five years we really listened to the needs of the girls so i would say the first year we were weaving in women's wisdom kind of drip feeding it through kind of meditations and stories um they did a lot of um cooperative games just so they gelled together as a group really well so we actually we were really lucky at that point we were in a space where we had um i had a red tent yurt and there was also an outdoor space. So the girls would play games outside while me and the mums would circle in the morning and kind of work through some of the issues or what was going on with their daughter, just listening to each other. Because we wanted to kind of always feel into where the girls were 
and not jump ahead, not be teaching them things that they weren't ready to know, and always listening to kind of the signs, you know, notice what stage of puberty are they at, are they, you know, are their breasts growing yet, are they, are they asking, what questions are they asking, what are they interested in? So it was really led by the girls, and we'd always, you know, what, what do you want to do? And they might say, oh, we, can we have popcorn next month? So we might do fire lighting and popcorn, but, but there was always a, like a, a drum journey or a story or something around becoming a woman. So it was, um, and, and that was the beauty of having five of us kind of holding it because we all had different gifts to bring. <laughs> so we could weave in all our different gifts. And also the mothers would step up and offer things as well. Because I always felt, well, that as a core group, we kind of felt it was important for the girls to see their mum shining. Mm. And although they would squirm, they hated seeing their mum stepping up and they'd be like, oh, my mum's talking, it's so embarrassing. <laughs> but it was really important for them to see their mums step into that role of holding whatever activity or story or whatever it might be. So, so it was really mixed. It was really mixed? Is that what you said? Yeah. The offerings so, were very much. Yeah. So it, uh, I'm curious because I can understand a group of girls asking for popcorn, right? But they, if they haven't been exposed to these stories and these practices, they wouldn't know what to ask for. So would you um, discuss the, what to ask, what to offer the girls based on what you were noticing? in the girls and what was going on for them what they might need like you mentioned oh you know so and so's breasts are growing and so and so's isn't yet and would you offer something around the natural you know something around the breasts or something i mean i don't know what you would offer i mean but I'm, you're saying the girls were leading it but if they didn't know what to ask for how do you offer it in a way offer something that's serving them even though they're not even aware perhaps that they need that thing and make it something that they then are on board with and it's not just an embarrassing thing that their mom and their aunties are trying to get them to do yeah, yeah. and that that's the really fine balance and that was i think that's the bit that um was almost the hardest because it's as the core group we felt we actually were watching the girls tuning in with the girls and almost holding that energy all month and we would meet every week between the um the monthly meets and we'd discuss you know if one of our daughters was in the group we'd talk about our daughter we'd talk about what we noticed so um although the girls would say we'd like more games we'd like more stories could we do some art Can, you know we'd like to learn about journaling they would ask those questions but yeah the embarrassing bits they didn't want to talk about so we would we would find ways of bringing that in so say we noticed maybe one of the girls you know having kind of issues with her looks you know kind of or just you know having that suddenly she became very obsessed we did a whole thing around we made we bought mirrors and we decorated mirrors and we talked about being beautiful on all levels of you know and and talked about women's bodies or you know one one session we went to a beach and we created a beautiful like mermaid in the sand this massive mermaid and you know made her big voluptuous breath and big voluptuous oh she was pregnant and we talked about birth and and just doing that and having a craft activity that they're absorbed in they ask questions and they're not really noticing that they're asking the questions and they're not noticing their embarrassment and as soon as you get talking about a topic 
you know the the birth topic they just some of the not all of the girls but some of them just had so many questions (laughs) like they've been bursting to ask somebody (laughs) so it's yeah it's um it's almost like a magical alchemy of all of that coming together but i always find even with women's circles you get get give them a craft activity and somehow the the chatter starts and the questions start and the the flow Mm -hmm. just happens naturally Mm -hmm. but yeah and so yeah and so it sounds like then you're meeting for shorter periods of time uh throughout the month you were meeting with this group and um that was just the core group just the core just the core group okay and so um another question i have is so this is obviously a group of people that has the time and resources to take a whole day with lady friends and their daughters out of the month yeah it was a commitment and a commitment to their daughters that was the kind of it was like a real for some of the women it was a commitment for themselves as well because they got a lot out of it it might be the only thing that they were doing but it was like i want to commit to spending a day with my daughter yeah yeah and so this is a this is a certain set of 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 people that would have of moms that would have this this awareness and this ability to say i want to take a day to spend with my daughter um they had if they had other children they they had the resources to have someone else taking care of the children um you know they're they weren't one of these people one of these moms that's working two jobs as a single mom to make ends meet 24/7 some of them so is that <laughs> what's that sorry it sounds like the sounds a bit echoey oh no it's good so you're saying some of the moms were working two jobs and organizing their lives around this priority to yeah, it was definitely, I mean, one mom, single mom with a child who, who's autistic, who she had to find childcare for, who, you know, it was on a Sunday. So, you know, most of us have Sundays as a home day. Gotcha. So, yeah, but it, yeah, for some of the mums, it was, it was a big thing. And, and we were charging them because we, that was one of the things we said, if you want us to hold this as a core group, this is a lot of our time. So we need donations we did manage to secure some funding at the start to pay for materials and things like that. But um, the previous groups we've set up in, a, in different ways financially, just because that was quite a learning curve and also a big responsibility in the end for the core group that were holding it. Because we all, you know, as life happens, we all go through ups and downs and sometimes mm-hmm. we just needed to step back and say, actually, I, can't, I need some time off for a few months. Someone else needs to step in or... Mm-hmm. so yeah it, it well it was a massive journey and I wouldn't change it for the world but it was a big responsibility yes I bet and so once you started this five-year journey was it the same moms the whole time through or did some new ones come in some drop out yeah well we in the first couple of years we opened and closed a few times because people dropped out or moved away but once um, I think after about two years, the girls actually decided they didn't want to open again because they felt like when new people joined, they had to kind of start again and go over things. And we got to the point with them where we were doing shamanic journeys and they were getting a power animal and things like that, that, you know, if someone comes in, they've never done any of that stuff. It's all a bit weird. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we decided at that point to kind of close the group and mm-hmm. just hold it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
beautiful yeah after two years so the, the the last three years was the same group beautiful and so i'm curious when you first got started it was you this one friend said let's do this and then you had several others how many were in the core group initially five and these were friends that you already knew from your daughters perhaps being in school together or things like that and then um and then you got together and you worked out what you were going to offer and put the word out to the rest of the community and i'm imagining that the other moms that joined there were people that kind of already knew you in the community or were there any that were like complete strangers and showed up and just jumped right in there was a couple of women i didn't know some of them were red tent mums that would be coming to the red tent um but yeah a couple of the women i didn't know and um maybe had heard of me or had um knew one of the other mums i mean we it got to the point where we were kind of holding holding mothers away because we couldn't all well, we were in a yurt that could only hold so many people but you know it's just like actually this isn't doable and and that's where we got to the point where we started training women so that they could do it themselves because it's mm. like we can't be all over the country we can't be mm. running groups there's only so many weekends in the month so you had once you closed the group you still had more people interested and and you hosted separate trainings about how to get groups like this going for themselves in their community wow um yeah. and so i have one that's other question really, okay go ahead i was just gonna say that's mostly word of mouth from the girls talking about at school or with their friends <laughs> you know. uh-huh so it was, it was all led by the girls and how much the girls loved it and how much they were getting from it. So did all, were all the girls already menstruating when they started? Probably not. And so did you have um, processes uh, around that, like the girls who weren't menstruating yet and the girls who were already menstruating, perhaps supporting each other or you know and then did you did each girl have her own ceremony that the group did when she yeah, did yeah. start bleeding and would tell us about that so um yeah because we, we none of them were bleeding so we were we were leading them up to this threshold kind of doing teaching them about cycle awareness teaching them about the moon teaching them about their body and talking about their dreams and all the, the changes on all levels that they'll go through and um we decided kind of as as a group of moms that once the first girl that started bleeding if she wanted it we would celebrate celebrate her so if a girl started bleeding that month whatever we decided we were doing the next sunday went off the out of the window and she had a ceremony <laughs> you know there was cake there was presents there was singing you know that's like that was the focus some of the girls didn't want to have that. And, and I always think that's, that's their choice. And, you know, my eldest was the same. It took about three years for her to decide she wanted a ceremony. And it was almost she had to witness some before she was comfortable with it. So, and that's the other beauty of community ceremonies where the younger girls see the older girls being celebrated and they look forward to it. Like my 10 year old is so excited and her ceremony is all planned, exactly what she wants. Wow. <laughs> you know, that, that's the difference of kind of, whereas, you know, the first few girls were brave, you know, kind of 
doing this without having really witnessed it. Although we had, I had, think the year before I had done a, I'd put out a community ceremony. Does anyone, any women who've never been celebrated want to go back and we visit that and have a ceremony? So some of them had come to that and, and witnessed some of the, some of the women having that ceremony, but so yeah, and it was it was again about really listening to the girls and asking them what they wanted. Although we kind of ended up with a, a similar format where all the girls got a beautiful red shawl and they were all painted with um, ochre or henna and sung to, but then there would be, you know, a different cake or a different presents or they might ask for something. Some of them wanted their feet washed. Some of them might want petals or flowers or, you know, so yeah. And, and I, I think I remember one, I think we had six months where every every month was a ceremony. Wow! Oh wow, that's exciting. Well, how many girls? How many? How many girls did you have in the in the? I think we started with about twelve. I mean, a few of them dropped off, and it was interesting because we did end up with a kind of split where we had the group, the older girls who'd started bleeding, and then a few of the younger girls who hadn't, and you could really see start to see a difference in the group. And that was kind of the last year where it, all, it kind of started to change because the older mm -hmm. girls were just in such a different place and needed different things. So, so yeah, and actually the younger girls, I think because they'd been coming for so long, they almost got a bit bored a bit and they started wanting something else. So there was a real kind of, you know, how, can we hold this anymore? And actually some of the younger girls were going, we don't, we're, we don't want this anymore. We're a bit bored with the smudging and the singing. And, we want to do horse riding we want to do fire lighting with the boys <laughs> and we were kind of like that's fine that's fine too that's not what we're offering but you know we can we can create that so mm -hmm. you know and that's where the group kind of ended up finishing and we did a beautiful goodbye ceremony and kind of closed the group but everyone's still in touch and you know, wow. those old, you know they all hang out in their peer groups anyway mm -hmm. so I imagine that you had the opportunity on numerous occasions to help these girls navigate um, relationships with with their peers who weren't having this kind of experience that might have been awkward or difficult. Um, that because it feels to me like this. Um, regular gathering with other women and girls with this sacred intention teaches a way of relating that uh, is honoring and respectful and might just sort of naturally um, eliminate some of the competitiveness and um, meanness that that young teenage girls can experience with each other when this kind of relating isn't modeled. And, mm -hmm. and I imagine you had opportunities to help yeah, some of the girls who came to the gathering just all upset about a disappointing um, relationship with other girls who weren't having this kind of experience. Um, I'm curious, you know, how you, how you may have supported, um, the girls through that of like recognizing that not all all other women are going to be relating in the same way yeah yeah i think it just through kind of teaching them about sitting in circle and listening to one another so you know there's that one level of communication and mm -hmm. that real listening and holding space and i you know when you were talking then it kind of came to mind uh, 
one of the girls coming in and she was talking about a girl in her school who was going off with boys and you know you could see she's going down a bad path and she actually her words were she's losing her soul skin and I was just like you know this is a 14 year old who can see another 14 year old is losing her soul is giving parts of herself away already too soon and it just made me so kind of almost overwhelmed with that kind of that you know they don't really know what they're getting from this group it's so unconscious and you know such such a special thing but just the fact that she knew to use that language and she could see what this other girl was going down and um and that she you know she was like i'm, I'm never gonna do that i can see what she's doing and yeah and and that was one of the biggest things and when we did the vision quest with the older girls having that space where they were there without their mums and actually them being able to bring maybe things that they wouldn't talk about in front of their mums. Just two of us, myself and um, my friend who started it together, we held the vision quest with them. And yeah, it was, and, it, and that for me, the whole point is that they build relationships with other women that are not their mums that they can talk to in a different way. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I don't know if you know Gail Burkett's work. She's written a book called Gifts from the Elders. And she talks about how girls yeah. look for peers and they look at the older girl, they look at the teens, don't they? And none of, maybe those teens are not particularly good role models. So, you know, that was the point of bringing the lodge together and bringing women that we, I mean, not intentionally, we didn't pick women that would be good role models, but that was the idea that we were, that we were holding that space mm -hmm. so that they, could come to us or that almost in a way imitate us instead of the teen girl <laughs> mm -hmm. as a way of being so yeah, yeah. Sure your question. <laughs> no that does answer my question and and i'm curious about this um language of losing her soul skin was that from a story uh, a folktale I I've vaguely have a memory of a folktale about a, a silky seal skin yes yeah. so, skin. so that's um, Clarissa Pinkola's the stairs the seal skin story which we use mostly with women menopausal women actually about when you're coming into menopause you, you're calling back all the bits of yourself and making yourself whole again but we talk to them about it as well because you know that's they're right at the beginning before they even lose their soul skin so we were like let's we brought in the practice of making a medicine bundle and the, and that the medicine bundle was their soul skin and you know they can put all their precious things in it and that and this is part of them and and to be kept you know just to not be careful but just be aware of your own energy and where you're giving it out and, mm -hmm. and weaving that into the different times of the month where we're more open and more closed and who we let in and out at those times so there was mm -hmm. you know so many layers to the teachings that we were doing mm -hmm. Wow. So did you talk with them directly about the womb as having certain powers besides menstruation? I mean, for me, when, when, when I, in my teachings, I talk about the wise womb membrane, where that, that soul skin sounds very similar to that, where we can be contained in our own energy and our own, have our own membrane of wisdom around us and for me it's kind of this um, coming inside our own womb or letting our womb's wisdom expand to surround us and inform our 
the boundaries of our energy, uh, only allowing in beneficial energies and keeping out unbeneficial energies and containing our energies within and choosing wisely when to give of our energies and when we need to be replenished. And, and so I'm curious if you used any of that kind of languaging, teaching the girls about their wombs uh, as a source of power. Absolutely. That's that was my role in the group. Ah. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't, I haven't heard that the womb membrane. I love that. It's beautiful. But yes, that was my role of kind of teaching them their womb wisdom and the 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 power of their womb and the whole cycle and how they feel at different times. And and I, what you know, one girl particularly sticks out for me because we talked about how you know how noticing the moon first because they weren't bleeding so we got them to kind of journal around how do you feel at the different moon phases and one of the girls who particularly found full moon really difficult and really went into herself at the full moon whereas you know our kind of traditional what we're taught around that map is that the full moon is out there party time feeling you know your fullness and I was just like and that's okay that's how you feel and that's okay and she and the dark moon was when she was happy out and so I was just like there is no map there's mm -hmm. kind of there's a guide <laughs> but you are your own guide and it was really about you know getting them to really listen to themselves mm -hmm. and, and notice that notice all of those changes in themselves before they even start their cycle so it was just like constantly drip feeding planting seeds right so then it becomes a natural evolution to say oh so where does your menstrual cycle when did you start bleeding what phase of the moon and i mean i talk to women all the time about what age they were when they started bleeding but if i ask them what day it was and what phase of the moon it was they weren't you know most people weren't tracking that or paying attention to that they had no support of that did, did you set up um like charts uh, for them to and calendars and moon calendars for them and then it was just an easy red dot to add to that tracking calendar with them beautiful yeah, it's one of the things that i just did automatically at that age it was kind of like i would journal i put a big p in red on my diary and i just found it weird that no one else did that so it's always been in me to teach women step one that's what you start doing mm -hmm. like, and do you teach them the history of the, did you teach them the history of the calendar system that originally it was based more on uh, the lunar cycles and that we had 13 months and that that corresponded to the 13 menstrual cycles that most women have every year and that that was deliberately uh, disrupted? Yeah, yeah, without focusing too much on patriarchy. Uh -huh. <laughs> Trying to keep it light, but yes, absolutely. Uh -huh. yeah, yeah. But I'm sure there was that one girl who was like, well, why? I mean, that would have been me in your group. I would have been, well, why was it disrupted? Well, why did they do that? You know, that would have been me. <laughs> anyone did <laughs> no okay well if i was in that group that's what that would have been like i would have been nagging at you to tell me the answer to those questions <laughs> uh, well wonderful so uh i'm curious about how like someone like myself i haven't had children i don't have a daughter I'm not planning on having children and 
And yet I'm very drawn to contributing to this reclaiming of this for young women. And, but because I don't have a daughter, I don't have connections into that mothering community per se. Um, and so I don't have like friends of, of my daughter's mothers that I connect with because they're going to school together or anything like that. Um, and I'm not working with children professionally. Uh, I used to. So as a school teacher, I might have been more, of, I might have had more, um, you know, people knowing me. And if I offered something, they might, the, the parents might, uh, might bring their kids and bring themselves to something that I was offering. But I'm just curious if you have any ideas or um, like if, you know, I've often considered starting like a summer camp for girls based on herbalism or something like that for my local community where they come and spend the day with me and like that. Um, but again, you know, I, I'm not, I would have to like go to the schools and talk to the, you know, do a talk for the parents about the summer camp or, you know, get the, they would need to get to know me before they, you know, brought their kids to my event. So I'm curious um, if you have any insights or ideas about that. Red tent movement. So I don't know if you have kind of those women's circles that happen and it was, you know, that those were the connections and even, you know, we had a, I mean, she was a grandmother, but I, I feel that it's really important to have, other women, older women, women bringing different wisdom. So even the, the last group that I started, which was for my daughter, which we set up two years ago, I invited, because uh, my mother doesn't live near me anymore. And, um, you know, her other grandmother isn't interested in this kind of stuff. So I actually invited one of the other elders from our red tent, if she would come and be like a grandmother figure. So. You know, I think there's there's ways of doing things like that. But we've also done camps as well. Um, and from those camps, some of the mothers, because they came from all over the UK to where we live to kind of see how we, I mean, I guess it was almost like a mini training to see how we do it and to pick up some tips from us. And they've kind of gone off and started their own groups. Mm -hmm. So um, I guess it's about getting clear what you want to offer. Mm -hmm. and put it out there you just kind of see it. i mean you know we found that women just jumped at it mm -hmm. and, and it was healing for the mums i mean that's the thing because when i like before i started all of this i was going into some of the schools and doing talks around menstruation and positive periods and um oh i've lost my thread <laughs> you went into the schools and did talks about menstruation yeah, but it's kind of like capturing the imagine. Um, you know, the girls loved it, but then they maybe they're going home to their mums talking about it in a negative way, or it being still being in that the curse or whatever. So that was when I realised I needed to get the mums on board. Uh -huh. We all need to be on the same page with this. <laughs> so, which is almost why we did the whole kind of um, 
working as a group that were holding it we worked through our own stuff so we were all on the same page when we brought the mums in and then I did circle work with the mums in the morning so again all the mums were on the same page so you know sort of saying we you know we're not going to use negative language about our menstruation in front of the girls you might have a negative experience and that might be your experience but in front of the girls let's let's hold that positivity and and it's okay for them to know that yes you can have pain and yes it can be really heavy but let's not focus too much on it being one of the mums had really negative words for it and I was like oh no no we're not going to talk about it like that mm. and actually interestingly I've done some womb work with that mother since and it's all changed <laughs> so you know it can all be changed around so mm -hmm. yeah beautiful yeah so so after you worked uh, talked at the schools and realized okay I need to get with the moms that's when you started getting with the other moms and saying let's start this group thing because I mean you're not going to invite the moms into the school for the talk with the girls did you? Well, I did actually you did? I did we did some after school ones and and again I mean it still was it was tricky because you know I'm a bit of a mad hippie and you know you get some of the moms who were maybe a bit more <laughs> just straight straighter <laughs> and they were quite challenged by me so I had to modify myself <laughs> what did you do did you like did you like slick your hair back into like a, put on some makeup nylons high heel shoes pencil no. skirt no you didn't do any of that didn't do any of that but the, the first one you see I'd, I'd make I created a beautiful altar which is just what I do but of course for some people that was just too much you know just walking into a room where someone had created an altar with a cup that looked like it had blood in and a goddess on it I lost them they were out the door so it was like okay I can't do that I need to just make it more um more almost science-based more just focusing on menstruation once you've got them in that, then you can bring in the more spiritual aspects of it, but not to go first with the spiritual stuff, which is what I was doing. But, but still, I mean, I, I didn't do it a lot, but I did, yeah, they were kind of just a couple of hours after school and I did it more as a circle. I got them to sit on the floor in the classroom and we'd have a circle and, you know, sort of share, the mums would share their first period story with the girls and we'd just talk about you know our bodies and why it was good to be a girl and I'd send them home with a little pack with the charting stuff in and and that's I guess where my book came from as well because it was just like all the bits of paper, paper I was putting together as a pack mm -hmm. <laughs> so like, okay, this all just needs to go into a book <laughs> mm -hmm. and so the schools knew you and and when did you approach the schools and say I want to do talks in your classes for the young girls well I was actually invited, so it was a school that my eldest children went to um, and I'd had a really good relationship with one of the teachers and she became the head and they had two girls who were eight and nine who'd started their menstruation and the school didn't know what to do it, they hadn't even started doing any education around body stuff at that age the mothers were totally kind of freaked out they didn't even have you know sanitary bins to put products in for that young of girls for yeah uh-huh no so I guess bringing me in was just a way to to deal with that problem aha <laughs> uh -huh, for younger girls starting their periods that's quite young yeah yeah and then I was invited to our local Steiner school Waldorf school where they're a bit more kind of open-minded and 
again, I think, you know, sometimes the teachers just find it really embarrassing having this conversation. So, you know, let's mm. pay someone else. And I don't know about over in the States, but normally schools, high schools have like the lady from Tampax <laughs> comes with all her free samples <laughs> and brainwashes them. And, and so, you know, it, it's quite hard to get into schools to do this kind of work. And I think more and more women are doing it now, more and more people, um, I know women who are already teachers who are bringing, bringing this work into schools and talking to the girls more about the whole of the cycle and the moon and the kind of the whole emotional spiritual aspect of it, as well as just mm -hmm. the anatomy and physiology. So it is mm -hmm. happening slowly. Right. Well, you're giving me lots of inspiration. I know I was invited recently at the beginning of this last school year. Um, one of the moms at the local charter school was inviting my husband and I to lead sort of mentoring circles with the kids. They wanted people who weren't parents at the schools uh, to come in and offer mentoring and we were going to do it but then they never followed up with it um and now with the situation with the pandemic uh things are on pause but you know we do we are well known enough in the community i i you know started making donations for their fundraiser years ago and every year they reach out to me and i donate some of my herbal products or you know some of my um hands-on healing services and they auction them off and they and so i'm contributing in my way to their <laughs> fundraising and i'm you know friends with some of the parents of the kids at the school and so you know, so that's that's a doorway in, and I feel like if I'd follow follow up on that and say, "Hey, do you still want to do this?" But they're not offering to pay me; they're offering me to be a volunteer <laughs> for this mentoring. Yeah. There's a fine line. I think you have to choose where you give your service and, and what you need to be paid for, and that's why I mean, in the beginning, we looked into funding, and over in the UK, there is small pots i mean we got like three thousand pounds which was enough to start us off and it paid for the first camp and it paid for all the materials they made um uh like a mother drum a big drum that they could, could go in the center of the year that they could all play so you know we we used that money for some really beautiful things for them where did you get the funding from was it an organization or well over here we've got the national lottery so they do lots of different but I think that was awards for all, which is a small part. I think it's I think it's bigger now. I think you can get up to ten thousand pounds from them now if they think you know if they like what you are trying to do. Um, so you wrote a proposal and sent it in and applied for one of these grants. Yeah, yeah. I've looked into grant writing and yeah, applying for different grants. We focused on a, a, a lot on being in nature and nature connection we didn't really talk about menstruation <laughs> right well I could focus on nature and gardening and herbalism or something like that and then yeah yeah or even artistic you know art or something like that yeah well so wonderful to and inspiring to talk with you about all this so your book what's the, what what the name of your book Tell me again what, ah, she has it right there. Manaki, A Journey into Womanhood, A Mom's and Girl's Guide to Celebrating. Wonderful. And I love your red uh, red tent on the cover. That's not my, that was at a friend's festival. That's actually my goddaughter on the front. Uh -huh. we went to 
she she went to this festival and had that photo taken and I just said can I put that on my book yeah <laughs> it's not my TP. someone else's <laughs> beautiful okay so and, and is that available on Amazon or where can one get a copy of that book yeah it's on Amazon if you're in the UK if you buy it from me I get a bit more money so it's on uh -huh. my it's on my website uh-huh uh-huh great and so where is that website? If somebody wanted to get in touch with you and find out more about what you're doing, can you tell yeah. us your website? Can you, it's Rachel Crow, and Rachel is A-E-L at the end. So it's rachelcrow.co.uk. And there's a tab on there that's called Girls Lodge, and it's got the whole history and story of our mum and daughter lodge. Um, and it's got some of the kind of plans of what we did in the day, and it's got blog entries of kind of, the girls feedback and photos and stuff so if you're particularly interested in that bit of it um you know that's where all the information on that is wonderful wonderful so thank you again so much for joining us um is there any any last things you want to say to encourage listeners about nourishing menarche and healing menarche um i just think yeah i mean i think one of the most common questions i get is when do you start talking about it and i just say as soon as they start asking and for my from in my experience my daughter started asking at about three when she saw me using pat my cloth i use cloth pads and she asked me what they were and she said you know why do you bleed mummy and so we had the whole conversation that's my other book <laughs> i've got a book for younger children but ah. let's normalize this let's make it part of our everyday conversation if it needs to be and just it's we're you know all women bleed <laughs> we have to break the taboos of these conversations and and just make them really normal and even my little boy today who is seven was helping me sort through some of the cloth pads and he said I really want some of these mummy I know I'm not a girl but I want some cloth pads are you gonna give him some <laughs> I mean that's a great thing for a young man to have is it, you know, because if he has a girlfriend over eventually and she needs something for him to whip out a package of cloth pads to give to her, that's a real, I mean, he's going to be a hot item if you, you know, if you keep him stashed with cloth pads for his, you know, potential girlfriends. Oh my goodness. I mean, you know. Yeah, what a cool boyfriend. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, I think that's a really good inspiring note for us to end on. Uh, I just want to remind listeners, if you want to learn more about the Womb-Centered Healing Temple, you can go to wombcenteredhealing.com and find out about all the lovely offerings there as well. Um, so thank you so much again, Rachel, for joining us. And thank you listeners for joining us. And um, May all men be, you know, having cloth pads to offer the women in their lives when they need them. Ah, that's my prayer for the day. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That's all for now.